everybody, this is Larry the Cable Guy. This is Talking Truth with my buddy Brian Clark, our special guest, Nat Crawford. I almost called you Nick. I don't know why. That's my cousin. Um, uh, is that your cousin? <laughs> but anyway, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know what we're all about. If you're first time joining us, um, I wanted to do this podcast. I think it's good for people to understand the truth, understand who Jesus was, understand what following Christ is, and getting away from religion, quote, unquote, um, uh, and having a, a life with Christ. Uh, Brian's going to read our message. Nick and I will comment on it. Uh, <laughs> our, I mean, uh, Nat. Has a, why am I calling you Nick? Oh, what is wrong I've with me? I've been called me? much worse in my time. Oh, my gosh. We're on Genesis 47. What is going on when we focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have? Boy, isn't that something? Yeah, that's something. Absolutely. Yep, that's great. What kind of mindset does it take to experience God's blessing in every single situation that's good and bad? Today, we're talking truth about knowing God and the peace and contentment that he brings to our lives. And he does bring peace and contentment. That is a fact. So anyway, um, Brian, take it away, and we'll comment when you are finished. All right, so if you were to create a list of your priorities for this year, what would make your list? Now imagine the doctor tells you that you only have six months to live. How would those priorities change? What would matter most to you? All of us feel the tension between the everyday stuff of this world and the things that will last forever. We often find ourselves living with one foot in this world and one foot in the kingdom of God. We tend to want the best of this world and the world to come. However, that's a hard way to live. John tells us you can't have two lovers. Either we love God or we love the world. We can't really love both. This has been the message of Genesis. There are two paths, and we have to choose one path or the other. Either we choose to be our own God, or we surrender to the one true God. You really can't have it both ways. That is the theme of this episode from Genesis chapter 47. Joseph's family arrived in Egypt. He selected five of his brothers to represent his family before the Pharaoh. Pharaoh could have done anything he wanted with Joseph's family, but he chose to treat them with kindness, giving them anything they wanted. They settled in an area called Goshen, which was the best land Egypt had to offer. The brothers were dismissed, and Joseph brought his father before the Pharaoh. At that time, Pharaoh was likely the richest and most powerful man in the world. Enter an old, feeble man by the name of Jacob. In the eyes of the world, Pharaoh had all the power, and Jacob had nothing. But was that true? In that culture, it was customary to bow when entering into the presence of someone like Pharaoh. You remember Joseph's brothers all bowed before him when they entered his presence. But Jacob didn't bow. He did something rather unexpected. He blessed Pharaoh. For someone like Jacob, a blessing was not simply a greeting. It was evoking the very power and presence of God on someone. It was taken very seriously. You remember, this is why Jacob and Esau battled over their father's blessing years before. 
It was also true that when one person blessed another, it was implied that the greater power was blessing the lesser power. Jacob understood this, and so did the Pharaoh. Remarkably, the Pharaoh received the blessing, acknowledging this to be true. Pharaoh had seen enough through Joseph to know Jacob's God was the supreme power. It was also believed in Egypt that long life was a sign of God's favor. Pharaoh asked Jacob how old he was. In the Egyptian world, under ideal circumstances, one might live to be a little over a hundred. Jacob was a hundred and thirty, and he informed the Pharaoh that his father and grandfather lived to be a hundred and eighty and a hundred and seventy-five years old. This too was a sign that the God of Jacob was the superior God. When asked about his age, Jacob replied, Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. In this great moment when Jacob is representing his God to the Pharaoh, he complains about his life. Poor me! Sadly, this has been true to Jacob's character all through his life. He has lived his life in fear, often resulting in poor choices with negative consequences. He tends to dwell on the negative and struggles to see all that God has done for him. Once again, we are reminded that God's blessings on Jacob and his family were not because of his great courage and faith, but because of God's great faithfulness. While the world struggled to survive the famine, Joseph's family would flourish. When there was prosperity in the land and everyone had plenty of food, any old God would do. But when the land dried up and the food ran out, there was only one God who could deliver them. The Pharaoh had a front row seat to all this and saw the impotency of his own gods and the great power of Joseph's God. In the end, only one God wins. This is still common today. When people are thriving, they see no need for God. But when the party dries up and the famine sets in, there's only one God who can deliver. As we've seen before, Joseph is a type or a picture of the Savior to come. When the world is suffering in spiritual famine, only Jesus has what they need. In the end, only the things of God will last. Only Jesus can offer flourishing in the midst of a famine. As Jesus himself said, only one path leads to life. Let's bring in Dan Nat to talk about this. Guys, I want to start with this question. Do you think we'll see this Pharaoh in heaven? You know, I was just thinking about that. I was when you when it, when you read that, I thought, man, this guy, this Pharaoh, man, he believed You know what? Brian, I think so. He believed that Look, he believed that Joseph's God was the true God. I'll be honest, all the stuff that uh, what he did for J Joseph and how much he loved Joseph and let him run the country and, and it, it, yeah, I think so. I think that that Pharaoh believed. Yeah, I, it's hard to know for sure, but I, I think it's likely. I, I think that's part of the story. So if I say no, then am I going to be like Jacob and be the skeptic of the no, group? No, tell, tell us why you might say no. 
Well, I don't know if he is. Or he's I, uh, there's no way to know for sure. But I think given the testimony of what he's been witnessing, it is highly possible he is. So I'm not on the negative side. I just say, ah, I don't know. But uh, it is a fascinating thing to consider. Well, Abraham, I mean, God saw Abraham's heart was good. He was he, he was faithful. He believed in him. Right. It and was his faith that, that saved was, him. Yeah. And, and so that was given to him as... As righteousness. Uh, righteousness. Yeah. And that so would be true for Pharaoh. That would be true for Pharaoh because Pharaoh believed. I think so. And we'll find out, won't we? Yeah. It's sure interesting to think about, though. Hmm. I don't even how you know it's him. I mean, there'll be so many people, you know. We'll have, so name many. Mm-hmm. we'll have name tags. We'll have name tags up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine will not say Nick. I can tell you that much. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have name tags up there. Uh, I like how this... Uh, says when people are thriving, there's no need for God. Absolutely. When things are going well, mm-hmm. that I always wondered what that whole thing meant about eye of a needle and the rich man and, you know, a lot of people that are wealthy and things are going good for them and they get in trouble and they just buy a lawyer. Or they just, they never have to worry about anything. So I can see how nobody would even think about higher power or God who needs that. I'm my own God. I'm made a lot of money and uh, but then uh, you're right, though, later on in life when uh, the uh, 85, 90 kicks in, if you make it that far, the, all of a sudden you got cancer, you got now you're starting to need a savior. Now you're starting to need something. You feel bad for those people. They have it all. You do feel bad, but then on the other hand, you're like, well, they've had every chance in the world, and they rejected, and they rejected, and now look, there they are, all alone, blah, blah, blah. It, you know, I feel bad for people like that. I, that's why I hope people come into their life that will share the gospel with them so that they can have that hope there in the last minutes, last well, years. Th- this is where pain and discomfort and the hardships of our lives are actually beneficial to keep us dependent upon God. I mean, I think we would all be honest enough to say, you know what, it, it sure is nicer when life is going smoothly right. and we're not experiencing the the cancer diagnosis or the financial issues. But it's amazing how those situations will bring us to our knees and remind us that we really aren't in control. And even James, he'll talk about that in his letter, how the rich get sick just like the poor. No matter what, we at the end of the day are all still the same. We are in need of God. And so when these tragedies happen, it reminds us that we aren't in control. And throughout this whole story, we're, we're reminded that God is. And why on earth would we turn anywhere else? Right. Absolutely. So I'm curious. I think we all know people like Jacob, those people who can look at their life and their situations and they see the glass not as half empty, but completely empty. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. but you have a glass, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's at least positive. You can go collect some rainwater if it rains. Uh, what what would you say to that person who's listening today who has a hard time seeing the positive, the good, God's faithfulness, God's blessing? What 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 advice would you give them today to begin to shift their focus away from the have-nots to the haves? Yeah, I, there certainly are people that go through their life viewing life through negative glasses. They're pretty grumbly. Mm. Uh, they don't seem to be very thankful or aware of what they have. 
and uh, honestly, they don't represent Jesus very well doing that. Right. Uh, and it's really interesting when you read through the Bible, like you read through the the wilderness wanderings in Exodus, and you get it again in Numbers, how often the text talks about the sin of grumbling mm-hmm. and how God views that. Right. You get in the New Testament, and it talks so much about a lack of thankfulness or talks about grumbling. Uh, it's not a little thing. It, mm. It's a pretty big deal. Well, it was big enough for it to be put in the Bible here about Jacob when he was when the Pharaoh was like, "Man, you've had such a wonderful long yeah, life." Yeah, it just so fits his the yeah. way he's lived his life. Mm. So to me, it's it's an intentional rehearsal of what matters in life and what we have and what we have to be thankful for. Mm. Yeah, I'm a pretty positive guy. I'm a pretty upbeat guy. I'm definitely a glass half full guy. But I still practice regularly, almost daily, rehearsing through all of the benefits, all of the the things that I have in life that mm. I feel like God's been so good and gracious to me. Because it's easy to take all that for granted, and I don't want to forget. I don't want to lose track of how really blessed I am. Mm. And I don't know how else to do it, but but go through and remind myself of what's true. I think that's a a biblical thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. You know what? I've I've started doing that a while back before I go to bed in my prayers. Just thank, thank, thank you so much for just keeping me alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, for for protecting me in times when I didn't listen to you. I easily could could have gone this way. It could have went that way, and it didn't. And so I'm always very thankful about the blessings that I got, my family that I got. I mean, things could have turned out so much different, you know, because you you don't listen to God. Yeah, no, I never listened to God all the time, and I Hmm. messed up. And fortunately, he's always helped me. Hmm. He's always been there. There's been consequences for things, but, man, things could have went south quick. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I'm always I always do the same thing. I always thank God for the blessings that I have, and I got to tell you, this is just a, such a good thing for people listening. And the the because we have the hope, we have hope. We shouldn't grumble. We have hope. We're not scared to die. We're not scared of any of that. God protects us. Hmm. We're not going anywhere until God is done with us. He's using all of us, and so you don't have to worry about any of that. Um, I think the thing that things that Christians worry about is they want to be light. You want to be light. I want to be light. But when you go around and you talk about Jesus to somebody, you look for that open door to your witness. You're always scared. Well, ah, man. They're not going to be my friend anymore. And they're not, you know what? You got to be bold and you have to just do it. God will give you an opening to talk to somebody if you pray for an opening uh, every day. Hmm. That'll happen. Um, but especially now in the world that we're living in, there is a lot of frightened, a lot of scared, a lot of people that have no hope that are saying to themselves, what is going on? What is happening? You just being a light and being happy and being in a good mood and remembering your blessings, they're going to look at you and go, what in the world? How can you be so lighthearted with what is going on? And you go, 
I'll tell you exactly how. You know, that is such a good witness mm. in times like today. And I say that to remind myself that as well. Mm. Like I said, Brian, these are good therapy places for me as well. <laughs> but no, that's such a good thing to do. Right now is probably the best time to witness to people than ever before. Just by living a, a good a Christian life just by following Jesus, doing the best you can. Mm. You're going to fall. You're going to get up. But what I, what I mean by that is by staying hopeful, staying positive, being upbeat, people need that. People, and people are going to want to know why you do that. I mean, if people weren't searching and people weren't, then why are there so many self-help things out there? Why are there so many people? Why are a lot of these preachers that call themselves preachers, they're really just, um, uh, you know, they're just, uh, uh, what are they? They're well, it's like self-help gurus. Self-help gurus. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's mm. good. But, yeah, you know, copyright that's that. why there's okay, so Mark, many. Because people are looking for hope and happiness. Yeah. But you can't be a self-help guru and give people hope without Jesus. It's it's then you're going down the same path. You're looking for shiny objects. Well, yeah. you're you're fixing your eyes back on again. Truth. If we are in fact the people of God, if we have been saved by grace, we've been given a great opportunity. We've been adopted into God's family, and we have hope in eternity with Jesus forever. When we can keep our eyes on the prize and not on the have-nots, that helps us to remain to keep that positive attitude. And that's what you're talking about, yeah. sharing that type of outlook yeah. with the people around you. Stay positive. Stay happy. I get it. I get Look, I get it. I got the same problems a lot of everybody else has. But I understand that. But you still have to, if you, you know, Jesus, stay positive. You, you, you've been blessed. Stay positive. That in turn is going to have people ask it. And let me tell you something. When that, when you pray for an opening and stay positive, that first person that comes up to you and asks you, hey, how come you're so happy, man? I really, and then you share the word with them. You're going to feel like, wow, this is awesome. Hmm. This is so cool. You see God working here. It charges you up. Yep. So just always stay positive. And before I go, I got to ask you this, Brian. Um, I think a lot of people, when it says, uh, um, either we love God or we love the world. We can't love both. I think people, it's okay to, God gave us this. This is where we live. That's why it's beautiful. It's here for us to enjoy. I don't think, I think sometimes people think, oh, so I'm supposed to hate everything in the world. No. <laughs> you know, explain mm -hmm. that to people. Yeah, that's a great question. Oh, I can't go play basketball now because there's no Christians <laughs> playing basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the Bible uses the word world in three different ways. One is the world of people. So like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. He also uses, the uh, text uses world like the cosmos, like the universe that God's made. But I thought it was cosmos. It could be. Cosmo? Let's ask Nick. Cosmopolitan. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. Nick. Mm, no clue. No idea what you're talking okay, about. Sorry, well, where sorry, did I'm Nick sorry. Go? This is a good point. I but the... Up. The world that we're talking about there, and that's great that you asked that question, is the world system. And the easiest way to think of it is after sin and Adam and Eve were cut off from relationship with God, where do they find their significance and their value now apart from God? And that has to be in themselves as God and in their performance in a, in a system where I'm trying to find significance and value by being my own God through my comparisons and competition. So that's pretty much what defines the world. It's how much money I make, what my job is, what my title is, how I look, 
whether or not I'm popular, how many likes I get. I mean, we can go on and on. Mm. So, so that's, that's the world system. So right. either I'm going to get my significance from God or I'm going to get it from myself in the world. That's You can't do it both ways. <sighs> Brian, that's so good. That's awesome. No, that's good. People need to hear that. Because, you know, you hear other people think, they think the Christian life is just so drab. I can't love the world. I can't do this. But no, that explains it. It's the world system. Absolutely. That's so good. That's why sometimes when you see a Christian athlete, they'll go, uh, they'll say what they did, you know, five-time Pro Bowl, blah, 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 says, follower of Christ, uh, the world does not define me. I'm defined by Christ. I get it. They play football, but that's not their main, my main thing, you know. Yeah, that's not their significance and value. Yeah, that's not their. So if you take value, if you think your only value is what your job or something that you do or you like theater, and if if that's what you think is the only value you have, that's not right because your value is in Christ. This is just something that you've been, you're talented and you're doing you know, right. but your value is in Christ. That's so good. I'm glad you explained that because a lot of people, they don't know about that. I'm glad you asked me that. And the three, the three different worlds. That's awesome. This show's fantastic. This talking truth. I mean, people, I hope they're learning stuff from this because that's good. I'm really learning stuff. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thanks for being here, Nick. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Hey, everybody, this is Brian. You know, we have a lot of fun on Talking Truth, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Dan and I will be back again next week, along with Nat Crawford, to learn more about God's unstoppable grace from the story of Joseph. And by the way, if you're interested in a copy of my book, Unstoppable Grace, you'll find it at TalkingTruth.com. That's Talk, the letter N, Truth.com. So that's all for now. I encourage you to look for God's grace in your life today, and I hope you'll join us again for another episode of Talking Truth. Get it done.